in your name. Amen. So do you have a favorite book or a favorite movie? Just think about it for a second. Or maybe a few that you especially like. Mine uh, all-time favorite, I think, would have to be A Little Princess. I don't know if you know that story. It's an old one. I read it first when I was young. Um, It's about a little girl. She's just, like, wonderfully kind and has this great life, a loving dad. Her her mom is gone, but um, her dad, I'm going to pull this back while while I'm talking, but her dad is... uh, goes away to war, and she and he supposedly gets killed, so she loses everything, and she becomes like this orphan and has to uh, live in this attic and be a slave kind of to, this, to all the kids at this boarding school that she used to be friends with, and a student there. Now she has to actually be their servant. Anyway, it's this horrible life. She lives in this attic with rats. That was the thing that really connected with me was... Ugh. And yet she kept this wonderful attitude. And I was just amazed by this little girl that she never lost her hope or her joy or her kindness. She was kind to the people around her, even the ones that treated her horrible. And, of course, ends up making a huge difference in their lives. And I just could not get enough of that book. And there was something in her that I wanted to connect in, in that story. Greg, my husband, is the same way today with certain movies. He watches some of them over and over and over, certain scenes actually from, and usually they're the hero movies, you know, Gladiator, Braveheart, Shrek, not really Shrek, <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that one's one of mine, which is perfect actually, because it's got a princess and a hero, see, which is kind of like us, that's why we're such a good match. <laughs> but actually we're all like that, we all have this... Uh, this love of stories and the ones that really connect with us a lot of times are the ones where people have overcome something and made an impact in other people's world somehow. And I think we love that because deep down, that's who we are. We want to make a difference in people's lives. We want to know that at the end of our life, we've lived a life that matters. And I think that's because that's in our DNA. That is who we've been created to be. God created us to live a unique story as part of his story. He was intentional about giving us life, and we are to be intentional about living that life. See, each of us are here to make a difference, and we have unlimited potential to do so. But unless we're intentional about that, we're going to risk living very empty lives. And so that's what we're going to touch on today, being a little bit more intentional about how we live our lives. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, you know, you have Bibles in front of you, and you can sort of make your way there if you want. But before we get to our specific verse, I want to give you some background kind of of where Paul has taken us to this point, this overview of the letter to Ephesians. Um, Ephesians itself just really teaches us what the core of being a Christian is. Not, it just in terms of who we are, and then what it's to look like as we live that out. So I heard somewhere that the first half of Ephesians talks about who God sees us as in Christ, how God sees us now that we're in Christ. And the second half is how the world should see Christ in us. So up to this point where we are, Paul has really laid it out, 
who we are, how each one of us is a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. We are made on purpose and for a purpose, and we have been each given specific gifts and talents and temperaments and things to make a difference in our lives. We are fully forgiven and unconditionally loved and accepted and all of that. And, and we are full of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so now Paul says, this is all true of you. And because of that, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. And he, he even goes on and he says, I insist that you no longer live as the Gentiles do, that you no longer live as people who don't believe do. Instead, we're to put off our old selves. We're to let go of how we used to act and what we used to believe, all the negative things that we used to believe about ourselves and our lives. None of that is true anymore. He says, we've been called out of darkness and slavery into royalty. We all have a princess and a hero inside of us. For all of eternity, nobody can take that away. So in the beginning, then, we get to the beginning of chapter 5, and he says, because of all of this, we are to be imitators of God. This is who God is, and now this is who we are. So imitate God. Watch Jesus. Walk in love. And then he says, walk in light. And so if you see verse 8, he starts with, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people as light, uh, people of light. Let your lifestyles be examples. And he goes on in verse 13, everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So basically this whole passage is saying that we've been given a gift and we're to pay it forward. We're to become light and love to others. We receive light, we receive his light and his love and then we become that And we share it with others just by showing up, just by being ourselves. And by light, you know, we just mean the love of Jesus. That's how we build the kingdom and fight evil, is love others. So our lives, our lives are God's message to the world. (laughs) Every single one of us was made to shine. But it doesn't come automatically. And that's what brings us to the three little verses that we're going to spend the remainder of our time here on. Paul gives us a very important warning and a key to living that life worthy of our calling. And he starts in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live your life, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And that's the version that's in, in the, um, the Bible, the NIV But um, there's another version there, the the amplified version. It says, therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor and purpose and courage, making the most of your time here on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity. So in other words, he's saying, because Jesus now shines on you and through you, therefore... Make the most of your time here. Be wise. Be intentional about how you spend your time because the days are evil. So I have one more version that we're going to hopefully bring to you, um, and then we'll dig into this a little bit more. But this version would be the PTK version. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's the Professor Thomas Keating version. So let's see if we can show you that. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. 
And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat> lives extraordinary seize the day let your light shine because the days are short in case you don't um weren't familiar with that that's the movie dead poets society it's another one of greg's favorites (laughs) some of you may be looking at that and thinking yeah maybe i could still make a difference if i'd started at their age but it's too late for me i'm just trying to get through Or maybe you're thinking, well, if I had more money, I could probably be extraordinary or make a difference. Or maybe uh, if I were smarter, or if I wasn't so busy with all the kids' stuff, or if I were skinnier, or whatever it is, I would say to you, wake up! Because that's an old message, and that is a lie. As long as you have breath, no matter who you are, or where you are, or what your situation is, or where you've been through... You have a purpose and a possibility to affect someone's day, even their life. You have the opportunity, or as the Bible tells us, you have the command to live a life worthy of your calling. But there is an enemy who will do anything and everything he can to stop us from doing so. And that's why Paul says, so be wise, because the days are evil and time is short. Last week... Rick talked about uh, what stands in the way of us being missional, what stands in the way of us reaching out and sharing our light. And he talked about the fear of failure 
and not wanting to reorder our lives, which is not wanting to sort of spend our time doing different things. But then he said that sometimes we don't reach out because we don't believe that the little things matter. We think extraordinary means we have to do big things. And that's maybe the biggest lie of all. So Rick decided one of the things he's going to do is just be a better tipper. And he's just going to spread some light just by doing that little thing. And he invited all of us to join in. If you weren't here last week, he invited all of us. He collected money, whoever wanted to give, whatever you wanted to give. And then he gave that whole pot of money to some people who were going out to lunch last, um, last week. And he said, wherever you go, wherever you uh, end up, give all of this money as a tip to the waiter or waitress. And uh, don't, you don't have to share the Bible, the message, the gospel, all of that. Just be a little anonymous light. And so I've invited Sarah Coker up to tell a little bit about that um, because that little group, that little band of warriors that Rick sent out just made such a huge difference in somebody's life just in that. So um, the funny thing about the whole people donating everything, um, Matt and I didn't have any money on us that day, so we didn't actually donate. Like, as everybody was coming up and putting in just throwing cash at Rick. Um, but we always go out to lunch. That's uh, our love language, I guess. Um, so we gathered a group of people. It, um, Matt and I, Roy Venata, Marilyn King, she's not here today, um, Kate Lucas. We went to, we like to find like places we've never been before. Um, so we went to Starliner Diner in Hilliard. Um, and they were crazy busy. We had like a 45-minute wait before we could get in. Um, so while we were waiting for our party to be called, um, I was watching this one particular waitress, and there were certain things about her that really stood out to me. Um, and I don't know, she just had this like disheveled look to her. She seemed like, I don't know, like life was really weighing her down. Um, but all of the waitresses, waiters, they all seemed stressed and overwhelmed because it was Sunday afternoon and everybody was busy. Um, so we waited for a while for, before we were seated outside. Um, our waitress was incredibly helpful, um, but she was worn down. Some of her clothes were torn and her overall health looked tattered. Um, she was very helpful. She was great at suggesting the delicious food, and she seemed to perk up whenever she was around our table. Um, per her recommendations, our food was delicious, uh, and eating outside was beautiful. It was a gorgeous, sunny day. Um, so we ate. We had great conversations. It was a very interesting mix of people. Um, so as we got our um, receipts and we paid for our meals, I left a note because somebody said, hey, leave a note for her, and just, like, hey, God bless. Um, so I wrote, may God bless you today and every day. You are loved and are a blessing to those around you. Um, before we left, we made sure that she got the receipts and the multiple trays. Um, I almost didn't count how much the church, all of the church body had donated because I didn't feel like it was something that I should know like a between-her-and-God thing. But curiosity got the best of me. <laughs> so out of all that you guys gave, there were $69 in tips. Other people in our church, um, 
as, as we were dining, we also donated. So I think in total was around $80 tip. Um, so she took our trays. We made sure that she got them. And then we sat and we waited. She came back. Um, oh, I really wanted to leave before she could come back because I didn't want to give her a I feel weird about this situation. I mean, I already felt kind of weird. Um, I'd rather just bless and run. Um, but I get a charge by knowing between me and God that we did something for someone else. Uh, it was very clear that she was affected in a deep way and that she was super appreciative. Uh, when she came back, she asked us if it was a mistake. She said, I don't even know what to say. We said that it wasn't a mistake and that she was being blessed today. She smiled great big and that it touched her on this whole other level. So there was a point where I wanted to get up and, I don't know, a lot of you know, I'm a hugger. It's what I do. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get up and hug her, but I was kind of seated and like I couldn't get up and get to her quick enough. Um, but I feel like I just got this charge from knowing um, that I helped do something, even if I didn't donate here, that I helped spread that love that you guys gave her onto her. <laughs> and that she was super touched by it. So, I don't know, I guess in a way, like, I wish that somehow I could give that charge back to you. <laughs> like, to see her reaction that she gave. Like, I wish there was some way that I could help you guys, I don't know, feel that, like, super appreciative, crazy smile on her face. Mm. Give it back to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sarah, for sharing that. And thank you all you guys that she mentioned that went um, to London. Muted the wrong. There we go. That charge that Sarah got that she talked about, haven't you felt that before? When you've done something for somebody that wasn't expecting it, maybe something that you, you didn't want something in return, and maybe you did it anonymously, but you saw the joy or the gratitude or the shock or whatever on their face, or you just assumed, haven't you felt that? I'm sure everybody at that table somehow was touched by knowing that they were a little part of that waitress's story. And it's kind of a paradox that the more we give of ourselves, the more we love others, the more we let our light shine, the more we are filled up. Because we're living in alignment with who we are. We're living a life worthy of our calling. We are being the hero and the princess that's inside of us. The Bible says we are powerful beyond measure and we can change the world with the light that is in us at this very moment. But in order to do that, Paul reminds us that we got to wake up, seize the day and be intentional with our time because the days are evil and the time is short. Time is our most precious resource and we take it for granted. We can't control it. We can't stop it. We have a limited number of days and every moment of every one of those days we can either be wise and be intentional and be moving toward our calling and our purpose and our, uh, our destiny and 
let him shine through us or we can be foolish and potentially lose out on the full measure that God has for us. Just for fun, speaking of time, I did a little research <laughs> on the internet, which never lies, uh, and uh, on how the average person, if we look at average lifespan of 77, I think it had 76, 77 years, I don't know, the average person, how we will have spent our time at the end of that life. We will have spent 25 years of our life sleeping. Some of us more. <laughs> we will have worked for 10 years and some change. We'll spend about seven and a half years of our life cooking, cleaning, eating. Some of us more, the eating part. Um, you'll spend three months of your life in traffic. And all of those are just the everyday kind of things, which leaves us with discretionary time of about five hours a day. So what are we going to do with those hours? At the end of our life average, they say, we will have watched TV for 9.1 years of our 76. TV accounts for half of all leisure time, it says. We will spend five years surfing the Internet, five years of our life gone just by looking at cat videos or whatever. <laughs> um, We'll spend 48 days having, play, making love. <laughs> Can you say that in church? <laughs> 48 days. <laughs> but get this, okay. We'll spend 17 women. We will spend 17 years of our lives trying to lose weight. <laughs> that to me is a little sad. 17 years focused on that and 48 days focused on the other thing. Uh, we'll spend one and a half years in the bathroom. <laughs> that includes a total of just, again, can I say this in church? 92 days on the toilet. And by the way, men, four minutes a day longer than women on the toilet. <laughs> just FYI. Uh, okay, oh, this one is hard to read. Women, we will spend nearly one year deciding what to wear. <laughs> and one and a half years doing our hair. Men, it will probably feel like 20 years waiting for us to do those things. We'll spend eight years of our life shopping, and the average man will spend one year looking at women. So see all that time in the bathroom doing our hair, it makes, it's worth it, because you guys spend a long time looking at us. <laughs> okay, so some of these statistics seem a little ridiculous, and truly, I don't know how completely accurate they are. But the point is this, if someone were counting at the end of your life, how would your hours add up? Our time is limited, and if we're not careful, we're going to fritter it away doing meaningless activities and then wonder why our lives feel so empty. I read on Facebook the other day, the other day talk about frittering our time away. <laughs> uh, our time with social media, that's a whole other teaching. Anyway, I read on Facebook about this man who told his wife that he never wanted to end up in a vegetative state. He said, I don't want to be dependent on a, on a machine, and if that ever happens, I want you to pull the plug. He said this to his wife. So she got up and unplugged the television. <laughs> but a lot of us live like that, too, even if the television isn't right there. We live in this vegetative state, don't we? Just kind of existing, just kind of going through life. Because the days are evil and Satan has lied to us that that's all we can expect. That that's who we are. And we got to wake up. Satan cannot change our eternal destiny. Now that we're in Christ, 
He can't take that from us, but he can certainly affect how we spend our time and how we experience our life here on earth. And that, in effect, how we impact others. The only way we'll be able to live this life that is worthy of our calling, the only way we'll be able to do that, and to fully shine his light the way he has created us to do, individually, uniquely, the way he has created us to do, the only way is if we're intentional how we spend our time. So we're going to wrap this up and uh, look at how to do this. So in some of you, um, maybe you got the little handout thing. Um, I used an acronym SHINE to highlight some of the keys to making the most of our time here on earth. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list of how we be intentional with our time. It's just some points to consider. So as we go through this list, I want you to look at which one of these is most challenging for you in this moment and ask God maybe to help you start working there. So as we look at, again, it's the acronym SHINE, the first letter S, seize the moment. Take a risk. When an opportunity to be a light arises, step out and do it. Share your faith. Invite somebody to launch, a coworker. Ask if you can pray with someone or for someone. Meet a neighbor. Stand up and teach in front of church. Put yourself out there instead of hiding your light under a basket, like the gospel says. You know the things individually for you that you tend to want to avoid and to run from, maybe this is an area that God is calling you into and saying, hey, trust me, just show up. If you just show up, my light's going to shine through you. Mark Batterson, uh, an author who wrote a bunch of great Christian books, he says, true success is seeing and seizing God-ordained opportunities. And if we don't have the guts to step out in faith and grab those opportunities then God is robbed of the glory that ultimately belongs to him. He wants to shine through you in a very individual and unique way. He says, I'm absolutely convinced that our greatest regrets in life will be missed opportunities. So the H in shine is check your habits. Where do you repeatedly spend or invest your time? Are you investing in activities or in people? In yourself or in others? What are you doing? Who are you hanging out with? What are you watching, listening to? What are you thinking about constantly? Are you wasting your time gossiping or complaining? How about boundaries? Do you repeatedly, do you have a habit of saying yes to everybody and anybody who walks through the door and asks for something and and you're not intentional about, does this fit in with where God wants me or whatever? Or maybe you're on the opposite end and you repeatedly say no and selfishly hoard your time. We can't make the most of our time until we see where we're spending our time and get a baseline. So check your habits. The third one for I is know your identity. And this one is probably most important because knowing who we are in Christ and how he has uniquely gifted us and created us to be will make all the difference. In verse 17 of that verse that we, um, that we just read, it says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what his will is for you and for all of us as Christians. The only way to do that is to spend time with him, spend time in his word, with his people. And the more we do this, the more we will naturally reflect him. 
The more we know his will for us, the less time we'll spend comparing ourselves, cutting ourselves down, hiding our light under a bushel or a basket, whatever. We'll be able to focus on others and trust that he will use us. I once heard someone say, when you die and get to heaven, God is not going to say, why didn't you come up with a cure for blah, blah, blah? Why didn't you do the things that Moses did or whatever? or Sarah, or he's going to ask us one question. Why didn't you become you, the you I created you to be? So know your identity. The N is have a now mentality. We have got to live with a greater sense of urgency. The days are evil and time is short and we have to act now. Stop procrastinating. There's a great quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, you can't do a calling too soon. For you never know how soon it will be too late. You can't do your calling too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. Tomorrow is not guaranteed, and yesterday is already gone. It is too late. Living intentionally is knowing that right this moment, God has given you everything you need to make a difference in someone else's life. I love that story uh, that Sarah shared, and I love the fact that she said she was able to be a light, even though they didn't initially contribute, and yet she was able to, to be a part of that whole blessing. And it's just such a great picture. The little things do matter, and if we just show up, we can be a light for someone lost in the darkness. We can be love and share that love with someone hurting. We always have an opportunity to shine his light in this very moment. Finally, uh, the E is expect great things from yourself and from God. Live with a sense of anticipation. Sarah didn't know she was going to have an opportunity to bless somebody like she did last week. But she was awake to the possibility. Quit wandering through our lives expecting that tomorrow was going to be the same as it was yesterday. We got to wake up. That's a lie. God is in the business of transformation, first through us and then through the people in our lives. So ask him for opportunities. And then expect them and look for them. I'm going to close here, but I want to do one quick exercise first just to prove this point that we need to be more expecting. We need to be, um, yeah. So we've been in this place for, I don't know if you came on vineyard time, maybe 40 minutes. (laughs) But you guys have been here a lot. So I want want to uh, do a little exercise and see what we've seen. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture everything in the room that's red. Just make a mental list of everything in the room that's red. Okay, now, open your eyes and look around. And look for all the... (laughs) I love watching everybody looking around, seeing red. Are you seeing a few things that are red that you didn't notice before? Like... um, I don't know, this little thing here on the mic stand, and lots of guys are wearing shirts, and people are wearing shirts that are red. And there's all, The point is, if we know what to look for, we'll be able to see it more clearly. This is why we want to cast a vision for ourselves. We focus, what we focus on, we become, all of that. There's scientific neuroscience reasons for all of this, but the truth is, when we prepare our minds to expect and see something, it allows us to see things that we didn't see before, to see possibilities, opportunities that we didn't even know existed before.
we see what we've primed our mind to see. So ask God to give you opportunities to make a difference and then expect that he will and you'll start seeing him everywhere. And then if you actually seize that opportunity, you're going to get that charge that Sarah talked about and it's going to happen more and more and you'll be amazed at how alive you might start to feel. So that's all I have and it's 11.30 some. So maybe you're getting out of here a little bit earlier. So I would hope that you will use this extra time that you might not have known uh, was coming intentionally. Thank you. (laughs) So that's all I got.